This episode is brought to you by R1RCM, a leading provider of technology-driven solutions that transform the financial performance of hospitals, health systems, and medical groups. R1 delivers proven, scalable operating models that power sustainable improvements to net patient revenue while reducing operating costs. To learn how you can build a future-ready revenue cycle today, visit us at www.r1rcm.com beckers. Hello and welcome to the Beckers Hospital Review Podcast. My name is Will Riley from R1RCM. Today, I'm joined by James Terwilliger. James is Senior Vice President and Chief Operating Officer at Virginia Mason Franciscan Health. James, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Will. It's a pleasure to be here. Why don't we start, James? Tell us a little bit about yourself and Virginia Mason. Sure. So I'm a uh, I'm a native of New Jersey. Grew up there uh, a while ago. Went to school in New England and still think of myself as an East Coast person. But I've had a very um, fortunate and uh, diversified career in healthcare, mostly on the operations side. I've been uh, in some large academic health systems uh, over the past 30 years. I've spent some time at UCLA and at UPMC in Pittsburgh, uh, at IU Health and at Montefiore in uh, in New York. Um, I've been a hospital president, a chief operating officer, run a service line, run a physician organization. So quite a quite a diverse background, but always enjoyable. Wonderful. And tell us a bit about Virginia Mason. Sure. So Virginia Mason Franciscan Health is the Pacific Northwest Division of Common Spirit Health. It's 11 hospitals, uh, about 300 sites of care. Um, we're about a $5 billion system, so kind of a medium-sized system. Uh, came together uh, with the merger of Catholic Health Initiatives Hospitals in uh, the Pacific Northwest with Virginia Mason just about three years ago uh, next month. Um, we have a, a wide uh, base of operations from uh, south of Tacoma to north of, of Seattle, um, three large tertiary care centers and uh, eight community-based sites. Perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. So, James, we're going to talk about some of the big issues that are facing healthcare leaders, the C-suite, as we head into 2024. Um We'll start with a really meaty one, which is payer provider relations. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll go go straight to the hard stuff here. Uh, this is an area that's that's always been challenging mm -hmm. by its very nature that that's going to happen. But we've noticed some more contention kind of creeping into that relationship over the last couple of years. Yeah. Are you are you seeing that? Can you tell us about it? Sure. It's uh, I think contention is a is a good way to describe it. And I really do think this is a uh, a fallout from the the pandemic. Mm. Um, you know, when when um, people were still paying premiums yet not utilizing healthcare, uh, you know, as they would in normal times, these large uh, large insurance companies uh, uh, had significant earnings through that period. As utilization has gone back up and even past some of the pre-pandemic levels. Um, they've wanted to hold on to a, a lot of that money. So it just, it seems that both on the the payment side of things, as well as on the administrative and logistical side of things, it's just harder to, to get on the same page with, uh, uh, with these folks. Um, I think there's an awareness of this that is pretty common in the payer community. 
and um, I'm hoping it gets uh, it becomes more um, apparent in the self-insured employer industry who's you know, paying a lot of the the bills for this. Do you do you think it's in inhibiting progress in the industry right now? Because some, it feels like there's this suddenly this focus on the administering of contracts and dealing with denials sure. and all of the bad things that come out of this situation, rather than a focus on finding more progressive solutions that might move the industry forward. I, I can only speak for what's going on in our local market where there's two very large payers. But, um, you know, our cost at Virginia Mason uh, have gone up substantially mm -hmm. in the last three years. And it doesn't feel like that the value of that cost increase is being recognized by the payers. Um, I think that we do an outstanding job in creating a value proposition around our outcomes and our quality, our patient safety, our patient experience. But there's a, there's a value proposition in what it cost us to employ people and buy drugs and have capital and operating expenses. And it just doesn't feel like the payers are willing to recognize those increased costs in their their rate increases that they pass on to us. Is there a way, do you think, we can move forward and achieve better accountability and, and a better relationship? Yeah, look, I, I think that that access to healthcare, access to good quality healthcare is foundationally important for a city, a region, an area. And when you have this contentious relationship between the payer and, and provider in a community, I don't think that's good for the, the community, whether that's on a, you know, a full risk contract basis or on the, the basis of a, uh, you know, a discounted fee for service arrangement. I think the uh, you know, most private insurance is paid for by self, uh, self-funded uh, employers and having stability and structure and um, cooperation between the payer and provider side is in the best interest of those businesses. So do yeah. I do I see a way forward? I think the business community in particular is gonna have to put more pressure on the insurance companies as third-party administrators to really um, to reinvigorate this dialogue. Major employers yes. and, and the like, right? Yes. Yeah, and they I, it feels like they really do have a role to play here in terms of bringing everyone together and refocusing on a common interest, which is the insured person and the patient ultimately. Well, it hasn't been easy for them because there's such a labor shortage right now that creating a benefits environment for their employees that's going to be attractive and is going to be um, easy to administer. I think that's what a lot of self-insured employers have been focused on. Uh, I think as the cost of that care keeps rising, it's going to move from a benefits discussion to an expense discussion, which I hope will be the catalyst for this renewed dialogue on the payer provider side. Very good. Okay. Let's let's open up a, another frontier that's challenging for big health systems, the regulatory landscape and the mm -hmm. regulatory environment. You're operating under a patchwork of regulations, some local, some national. Mm -hmm. um, how does a health system like Virginia Mason try and stay ahead of that or try to be proactive in that environment? Is it is it possible? Sure. Um, being proactive is uh, is definitely a challenge. Uh -huh. I think we uh, uh, we enjoy 
um, uh, horrific dialogue and relationships with our elected officials and the the, uh, uh, the representatives of the State Department of Health and, and things like that. And they certainly have a perspective um, of enforcing the the regulations and making sure that everything is carried out. And it's important that there's there's healthy dialogue around that. I think that the the way in which we influence the advancement of that dialogue is really by being transparent about the the results of the the products that we offer. So mm-hmm. our our record of patient safety, our record of um, of um, self-reporting on on regulatory issues when they come up, um, our patient engagement scores, um, those type of things are what I hope gives assurance to the regulators that we're creating a. a an appropriate and safe environment for patients to come get care in at our facilities. Right. Are there things coming up on the regulatory horizon that you're looking at in 2024, worried about, concerned about, anything specific on the agenda? You know, I think that um, there's been a lot of dialogue in the state of Washington around the um, uh, efforts at the legislative level to um, uh, put nurse staffing ratios, codify them into law. I think there was a very healthy dialogue between the hospital community, a number of the unions that represent our nursing colleagues and the state representative, the state legislature last year that produced a new staffing law that I think satisfies the desires of um, our colleagues representing the nurses to have um a voice in how staffing is done, mm-hmm. and um, but also listen to the hospitals that you know we need to be able to run these places not by um, you know legislative fiat, but by you know good healthy right. um, you know relationships with our employees. And I I think we've the the law goes into effect in 24, but I'm very optimistic that all sides will will benefit from doing this. Yeah. Most of all, I think it'll benefit patients by having this. Um, this structured interaction around, uh, you know, what safe staffing represents. Excellent. Let, let's. That's a good opportunity. I want, want to shift into talking about the patient now, mm-hmm. um, and in particular, shifting patient expectations and how they're manifesting at Virginia Mason. We obviously, as consumers now, use technology in our daily lives more than we did 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. We bring other expectations, I think, to our experiences as well. Uh, society's changing. Uh, how we interact with other people is changing. How are some of those shifts in consumer expectation playing out for you? Sure. So I, we have um, a couple of partnerships that are um, relatively new that I think speak directly to that. So just last week, we announced that we're partnering with One Medical, the Amazon-owned mm. uh, primary care provider. And, you know, it's a, um, you know, it's it's an Amazon-based tool. You can get to it through your your Prime membership. And it's, um, uh, the, the strategy behind that is we're meeting the healthcare consumer in a different way than, uh, than healthcare traditionally does. Um, I think that the, um, the ability to conveniently and um, you know largely with a device access or or uh, create access to healthcare is where a lot of healthcare is going there is a big difference though between um, wellness care primary care kind of your normal routine things and when you have a serious illness uh, you know I think that the 
the relationship between providers in the community and tertiary health systems like ours is always going to be one where the ability to take patients in in a timely way, return them back to their communities after their episode of care is over, is always going to continue to be the the primary focus of that. We've we're recently creating a uh, uh, an integration between two parts of our organization. So the one that was a legacy CHI um, operation and one at Virginia Mason, that's really the front door to our organizations, how we transfer patients mm -hmm. from other hospitals into our system. And it's a uh, uh, that type of capability to deal with very seriously ill patients who in a very timely manner need to get into our facilities. I think we're using a lot of technology to, to drive that so we can share information back and forth with uh, with the sending facilities and return the patient back to the to the sending facility when we're done. That's the type of um, innovation that I think addresses the uh, the higher acuity patient that is uh, present in many of our hospitals. Right, right, right. And what what other tools or or approaches are you using to kind of make the experience for the patient themselves a positive one while sure. they're with you or after they've sure. received care? So I um. I think healthcare generally has a long way to go to um, be as um, technology driven and consumer technology driven as you know, Open Table or the airlines or mm -hmm. or Amazon. Um, I think we, because of the need usually to incorporate insurance and insurance verification and all those administrative things, I think it it can get clunky to do those things. It's clearly something we have to do a better job at. We're not as nearly as nimble as an industry. And you know, walking around this um, this uh, conference here, you see a number of things that that could create some nimbleness uh, for us as an industry. But I think there's um, I think there's a long way to go until we're um, you know patients are able to schedule everything they want online. You can get a lot of your if you are enrolled in one of the EHR based tools, you can get a lot of your health information through that now. So I think that's a that's a nod to it. But I think in terms of directly accessing care, in terms of scheduling and follow up and all of that, I think we still have a long way to go as an industry. Yeah. And hence, perhaps your new partnership, right? It's Correct. It's going to help make that much easier. Correct. Because right. it brings it brings some of that. It's going to bring some of that technology centric approach, self-service approach. It does. And it's going to along with it. Yeah. And it's going um, to I'm a big believer in forcing functions sometimes. And I think this will, uh, the fact that the expectations of people who are accessing care through one medical is going to be a very technology driven platform is going to force us right. into dealing with some things that maybe it would have taken longer for us to get to. Exciting, be yeah. really interesting to see how that all works out. James, that brings us to the end of our time together. Thank you so much for spending time on the podcast today. Will, thank you, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.